Business Talk, Sister Gok. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode title is Should You Join the Chamber of Commerce? And this is a topic that I wanted to do an episode on because it was something that I actually did not know anything about when I first started a business. And what are the pros and cons? What should I be looking for? Is it even valuable to be a chamber member? And so these are the, the different ways that I now evaluate chamber membership. And I think that most people don't even realize they're parts of the organization that they should understand. So the first thing is, I think it's really important for you to understand what the purpose of the chamber is within your area. So here's what I mean by that. You need to figure out what they're actually doing because some chambers are really good at connecting business owners with each other. And then there are other chambers that are focused more on events in the community to increase economic spending um, or advocacy on behalf of businesses as a whole to places like the city government or the economic development authority or even the state level or federal level government. And then promoting and advertising the area through like a website, marketing, magazine, whatever. Like sometimes they'll have a place where people, tourists can come in and get pamphlets and coupons for things, all that kind of stuff. So there's many different ways that tourism or um, is promoted by the chamber, but like overall chambers are different based on the person in charge, based on the priorities of the community, location, all that kind of stuff. So it's really important to know that you're not comparing apples to apples if you move to a new community and are familiar with the chamber. Okay, so Number two is review the geographic area that the chamber represents. Because sometimes a chamber of commerce has a expansive area that it represents with people like 25 miles apart from one another. And as a whole, does one area get more attention than others? So this can actually be a problem. For example, like a lot of chambers do downtown events to promote uh, event, different things within the community downtown because that's where a whole bunch of businesses are. But if your business is not downtown, how is that benefiting you? Are you able to bring um, stuff there to have a booth or are they going to promote you as equally in other areas outside of those events? Uh, it really just depends on what their focus is as a chamber. If, if they're representing everyone equally and, and by representation, it can mean different things like for marketing efforts or what are they posting on their Facebook page? Are they even using social media to promote people? All that kind of stuff. And the, the geographic area can be important because some areas get more attention than others. Or um, if you are just trying to get connection to other people and you don't care if you're close by, um, that's an okay thing too. So the next thing is to decide what is the average size of the other businesses in the chamber that are members and how are they being helped? Because sometimes certain chambers, if they're in a bigger town, they'll have really massive people like um, a big corporation that has multiple locations and they are members just because they want to be a part of the uh, community and be active, but really their decisions aren't based on just that city, right? They're uh, made on a corporate level. And then other small businesses are part of the chamber too. So what, what does that look like and what's the benefit to being connected with those people? Is there networking opportunities? Um, what, what benefit would it make to your business to be associated with the average size of those other businesses? Okay. 
and not just associated, but is there collaboration going on? Are people talking to one another? Are relationships being built? And then number four, what is the current financial situation of the chamber? So I think that this is actually something that is completely underrated because every single chamber is different and it is not connected overall. Yeah, they maybe have like some national advisory guidance, but financially, they're all set up independently as like a nonprofit status or something very similar, right? And so sometimes uh, when a chamber is set up because they're not doing well financially, they can really focus on asking for donations from businesses like coupon deals and whatever to do. Oh, we're going to do this promotion and they're saying they're going to give you more business, but sometimes it ends up being that you're giving more and you're donating more to the chamber with your coupons than you're actually receiving in terms of business in the door. And so you really have to pay attention to how much are they actually working to your advantage and how much is it just to maintain their operating costs and and stay afloat, right? Because as soon as a chamber gets into a financial situation where they're just trying to survive, it's no longer about the businesses. It's about trying to make sure they have enough money to cover their bills. And if that's a problem, you should be asking, why is that a problem? Because most chambers should not have that problem. So the next thing with that is how many staff members does the chamber have and how long have they been there? Now, this is really important because just like any organization who has a CFO or CEO, president, whatever, turnover can cause a broken vision. And when the plans change after somebody says, this is where we're going and bringing the whole chamber organization to focus on this, if, if the president of the chamber leaves and you have a new one, all of a sudden their vision can completely change. And that means wasted effort, lost relationships, or completely moving what the whole purpose of the, the organization was about to support small businesses. So that's really important. So turnover, huge. And then also how many staff in general, because a lot of times some chamber of commerces can be staffed by part-time people or um, just one full-time person. And if that's the case, they're not going to be able to have as much bandwidth to do any kind of advocacy or community coordination on bigger events with a limited staff number, okay? So that's a really big thing to be thinking about. And what what does that look like for the actual vision of where they're going with it? So you can even talk with the head of the chamber, say, what are your goals? How is the, the board treating you? who is on the board, all that kind of stuff can be really valuable information to helping you um, make a decision. But also know that the chamber's job is to recruit businesses. So if you're asking these questions and they're super upbeat about it, it's because that's how they retain value is having members. So it's probably going to be very rosy when they talk to you about it. Okay, so the next thing I would ask is, is your target market local to that area that the chamber is in? Because a lot of brick and mortar businesses benefit. Like if you have a physical presence in that community and you have a local consumer market that buys things, either, whether it's a service or physical products, they, you're going to do better than say if someone who works with people all over the nation and the other communities don't really care if you're locally invested. Uh, national, regional customers may not really care about that. But 
if you have a lot of em employees from your area, that being a member can actually be a good thing to help you build good public relations with like looking for potential future employees as a sign that you're locally giving back. And it's the same with supporting like the little league teams and the basketball posters that that's saying you are invested in the community, you want to be there and you're participating. And so that can actually be more of a public relations thing than it actually is beneficial in terms of actual marketing. Uh, for getting people in the door to your business and and that's a big thing to consider so the next thing I would I would think about is understand how the chamber is locally connected to other organizations so and and that goes back to also staff turnover because if you have a president of the chamber that is really well connected to other local organizations and they've done a lot of work on building those relationships especially in in larger communities um, this can be a really big deal. Honestly, smaller communities too. Everybody knows everybody's stuff when you've been living in the same place for a long time. So having a consistent presence at the chamber with low turnover can mean that there's some really good connections in place to other organizations like the, um, the Lions Club or the Kiwanis or the Economic Development Authority or even just like the city council knowing who's there and what their priorities are and how to navigate if you have to get a sewer pipe redone downtown or all of those different things. There's, there's tons of, of ways to look at those chamber relationships and understand is it valuable and is there something that would be worth me being a part of in this part of the community and and i really do think it's important to note that there are other organizations outside of just the chamber that do support local businesses and do try to help them so if if a lot of local businesses are having the same problem say with internet or with um something with sidewalks, whatever, that's more of a city thing or economic development authority to advocate on your behalf. And those are government appointed positions that you're paying taxes to, right? So their job is to represent you. And if they're not, then that's something you should definitely bring up with them. The advantage to having a connected chamber is that they can also advocate on your behalf in those situations where they're saying, this is actually affecting more than one business owner, by the way, and here's how we know. So those are really great things to be thinking about as you're looking at, is the chamber worth it for me? I think it's also really important to connect with other business owners within your community and ask them what they find the value in being a chamber member is. So you can do that by looking at the members that are already on the website and connect with those business owners, but you can also connect with other businesses that actually are not chamber members. And here is why I think it's important to ask both. Because when you are not a chamber member, there's specific reasons why you have chosen not to typically. And maybe it's because they were in the past and they didn't find value in it. Maybe it's because there's a lot of other um, things going on in the background that they're aware of or are getting a better return on investment for their time being associated with other organizations. So asking non-chamber members is great. And then finding the value in what members currently are getting and saying, why did you decide? What was the deciding factor for you? Or maybe there's multiple for them. Getting that kind of feedback from members themselves instead of just talking to chamber employees is, is a huge difference, right? So, and then the next thing I would recommend is consider where other marketing dollars are going to see if there's a bigger 
investment priority for you. So whether it's saying, okay, actually I get a lot more business when I use my uh, investment in advertising for uh, digital marketing or like specifically Facebook ads. What what does that look like for your business? What is going to be beneficial to getting you uh, more awareness in the community? Because that participation is your time and it's your finances. So is there something that takes priority over this? And maybe it's something like, yeah, someday it'd be nice to be a member, but right now I need to focus on these priorities first. So, and most people write off their membership in the chamber as some sort of public relations or marketing investment. So just know that that's also a cost you can write off under an expense. The next thing I would recommend is understanding the tax situation of your area. There are also a lot of like tax dollars for certain industries that go to pay for tourism. So example for this would be the hotels industry. They have like a tourism lodging tax that's supposed to go back to promoting the area. So either that's like a a local uh, regional effort or maybe it's by city. That lodging tax pays for promoting those areas that the lodging tax is coming out of. So finding out where that money is going is really important because a lot of times the tourism bureau that's basically being paid with that tax money is always looking for content and are there ways that you can say hey here's some information about the community or some really great photos and also here's some stuff about my business in there so you can get on their website or listed if you're not already so and they're running a lot of marketing dollars as well in billboards or whatever else within the community so you should find out if there's a better investment in other things that are going on. And and so like, for example, sometimes an economic development agency also is promoting small businesses to better advance the community alongside the chamber or independently. So figure out what those partnerships look like and if there's any promotions that other people are doing because it may be a better way to invest your time and resources. And the final thing I would recommend as you're looking at the different aspects would be what does the chamber have access to? So what I mean by this is that a lot of times the way the chamber is set up is like a nonprofit status or certain statuses that allow it to accept grant money from foundations or government organizations to redistribute to people that are, say, small business owners. And what that looks like can be different for each region. So it's really important to understand what it's working like locally. Uh, Some examples of this can be technical assistance funds that could be granted by a foundation or maybe the city itself says, hey, we have all of this economic development uh, funding that we've put aside and we need someone to administer these opportunities. And what I mean by that, technical assistance is basically learning a technical skill that maybe you as a business owner don't have yet. So examples of that would be A technical skill is learning how to build a website or doing social media marketing or understanding how to do bookkeeping. These are all areas that would be considered a technical position that maybe somebody does as a consultant. And a lot of times there's funding set aside through even the Small Business Administration to help entrepreneurs access these professionals that can teach them these skills and further their business. So commonly, a chamber will have somebody who's set up to 
administer these technical assistance funds. Say they send out an email saying we got this grant, we've been asked by the city to manage this, and if you are interested in receiving information about these uh, opportunities or taking advantage of it, let us know and we'll get it all set up for you. So if that's something that's happening in your area, I would definitely recommend finding out how you can uh, take advantage of it. Sometimes you have to be a chamber, chamber member and sometimes you actually don't because the city is doing it through economic development or whatever. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a member, but you should be aware of what the chamber is doing because they do have access to a lot of opportunities like that. And it's really important to look at what all they're doing with those other organizations. So a really big example for this in a lot of different areas of the United States over COVID was that a lot of Chamber of Commerce has decided to be that advocate within their community to understand how to educate business owners on what was safe and appropriate based on government guidelines for their specific region or state. And they were the ones that were trying to get work with the city to get all of the face masks distributed to businesses to have available so it wasn't a huge out-of-pocket cost for them. They were trying to support connecting businesses to a small business administration or other organizations that can help specifically apply for those grants due to economic crisis of COVID and all of that being shut down and, and different things like that. So that's another really great way to realize they have value but I'm not saying that there are not other organizations doing those things. It's just important to be aware that every organization is connected and partnering in some way with other people. And if you can be a part of that ecosystem and just knowing who's doing what, you can take advantage of the opportunities that make sense for your business, whether that's being on a board with the Economic Development Authority, doing advisory stuff for maybe workforce development. There's there's lots of different committees and things going on within your region that you may not even be aware of. And quite honestly, a lot of those committees and board of directors or whatever, they're required to have people of industry present. So business owners, people who are actually doing the work and not just other people in nonprofit and government making decisions because they don't actually know what it's like to run a business. And so being participating in those conversations can be super important regardless of if you try to be a chamber member or not. So that's just a little plug for that if you're not involved in your community <laughs> as a business owner. Okay, so hopefully you kind of have a feel for what chambers do and what you need to think about if you're going to be a member. I'm going to transition now to the gawk portion of this episode, and I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. <laughs> so this specifically is for anyone who has ever identified with a snorkeling experience. So I am actually not fond of snorkeling because... As a child, you know, you get the little kid mask and you put them on. And if you put your face in the water, you realize that the fish are significantly closer than, to you than maybe you're comfortable with. Some people just think it's like an awe-inspiring, beautiful experience. I personally think it's terrifying. <laughs> well, um, semi-recently, so it was last year, uh, my husband and I went on a cruise to the Caribbean. And while we were there, he was super excited about wanting to go snorkeling at this coral reef. Now, I am, I am not thrilled about being that close to nature. I love it in, like, the 
zoo or there's a glass wall separating a glass bottom boats that's kind of my thing right there's there's a little bit of separation here but or i'm the person that holds the flashlight while other people stick their hands in the water at night <laughs> so anyways with that being said we decided to go snorkeling because this is his dream and I'm just going to say the guy was saying, hey, if you have an emergency or you don't feel like you're okay, here's the signal, right? So we get out in the water and I'm very tentative and they keep saying, don't touch the reef. You could hurt yourself. I'm seeing the reef and it's super close to me, but I am not over it because I do not want to swim over the reef because that just makes an idea for a terrible recipe for disaster. And this lady is struggling next to me right so then slowly but surely they're farther and farther away the the guide is helping this lady and all of a sudden I'm like how are people how am I going to get back to the boat it's like a hundred meters away and honestly it was probably farther than that and I just started hyperventilating like nobody can see me I'm like doing the hand signal I don't feel okay and I'm gonna die I'm going to (laughs) die. And at this point, like, I'm like, okay, I should probably pump up my vest a little bit or something because I'm not floating very well. And I just didn't know how to get around the reef. And I'm starting to like almost start crying. And then all of a sudden I feel this hand come behind me. And there's my husband. He's like, hey, are you okay? Um, Everyone else has left. Like, are you ready to go? (laughs) And I'm like, I can't get over the reef. So he very gently helped me navigate swimming over. I did not hit it and it was okay. I was just way overthinking how close I was in the water. (laughs) So then the next place we went with like a sunken boat or whatever, I stayed in the boat so that my husband could have a great time (laughs) without me making him worried and without making myself cry. (laughs) So anyways... If you are not a fan of snorkeling, let me just tell you, you have found a friend in me, okay? (laughs) All right, so if you enjoyed this episode this week, you should give it a review on Spotify, and uh, I will see you next week.